The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host and or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of the host and or Paranormal Buzz Radio and or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is prohibited. Paranormal Buzz Radio will not be held responsible for you holding your knees, crying and rocking in a corner in a puddle of your own urine, or being beheaded by a group of children in a cornfield. In fact, if you come across a group of children in a cornfield, we promise to make fun of you as you run away screaming in terror. Listener discretion is advised. Caution. You are now entering the all-consuming realm of Shay's paranormal chat, where the things that are better left unsaid are actually said. Shut up and sit down. You're listening to Shay's paranormal chat. Paranormal podcasting done Shay's way. Tons of fun. Dude, seriously? A bit sarcastic. Hashtag investigator, not hunter. But always real. Hashtag data, not evidence. Don't get your panties in a twist. Oh my god, really? This is real, raw conversation. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Good evening, everybody. TGIF, as always. I am so excited, not only because I have the beautiful Rebecca Williamson again, two weeks in a row. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> I'm so excited. But. Um, I know, but before we get started, very quickly, because I don't want to take time away from this awesome guest we have coming up, but I want to wish Caitlin um, a very happy birthday. She turned 20 on Monday. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about the other kids on air, so I have to take advantage of when I can. She's been a, she's been a, ho- a co-host on a couple podcasts, or I guess guest co-host. Um, so everybody has watched her grow up since 13, 14 years old. She's now 20. She's about to be a junior in college. So uh, she just won her fourth award this year in writing. So I'm so proud and so happy. Um, so Happy birthday, Caitlin. Yes, happy, happy birthday. Um, so thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, first people in chat are... Mr. Darren Buss and I, I don't think I missed anybody else quite yet. I like to give the first shout outs of the night. So I've been thinking a lot about this and tonight's guest, Rebecca and I talked about this a little bit before we actually added the guest, but our next guest has the most interesting I think we said well-rounded and respectable bio I have ever seen. I've been doing this a long time. This is impressive. We have tonight Mrs. Mrs. Deborah Lynn Katz. How you doing? Hi there. 
I'm so happy to be with you, Shay and Rebecca. And that was cute that you said you're only allowed to talk about one of your children. <laughs> I, I have a 22-year-old son, and he has me very well trained as far as what I can say and not say and share on social media. Me too. And step outside the lines. I hear about it. So <laughs> I can't. You understand. I told you we were going to get along. <laughs> It's funny. It is. But I get it. But she does, you know, she's filled in on um, some of the different shows. Not even my show. She's never been on my show, but she's been on other podcasts. So I'm allowed to talk about her. That's that's so nice that, that you can share this together and, and that she can relate to the topics that you talk about. Yeah, she, I really can. So... A uh, couple more shout-outs. I see Mama Deb, my mother, is in there, and we see Matt in there. If I miss anybody, I'm sorry. I'm trying, but um, it goes really quick in there. Um, whew, there's so much to fit in an hour. Yes. Oh, wow. So you're an author. You're a clairvoyant. You're a healer. You're a medium. You have your BA in psychology, master's in social work, and you're working on your PhD in psychology? Yes, actually, I do my dissertation defense this Monday, so I'm supposed to be working on my presentation right now, but I'm very happy to take a break from that. So it's been a five-year journey, and I should officially be totally done with school for the rest of my life as of Hopefully by Monday night, end of the week or so, if I have to do some revisions to my paper. But that's yeah. great <laughs> to finally have that done. I bet because that's a lot. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It, it kind of sprung out of just, on the one hand, loving the work that I do in terms of all my psychic work and also research. But I just started to get kind of bored. I do a lot of my work um, for years, I've taught classes online and mostly out of my house. And I was really feeling the need five years ago to, to get out and just be with people. And then I ended up getting a scholarship to be able to pretty much get a free ride through graduate school. So I, I ended up going to Georgia, where um, University of West Georgia was where I went to school. And yeah, so five years later, um, now I'm back, just now we've to Oregon since then where I've been finishing things up, but back to like everyone else this year being pretty isolated and uh, behind the computer, but I am, I'm now looking forward to just getting out in life again, but this time not doing it in a way where I have to sit through classes and endless suffering and torture of assignments, but just just to be more social and have fun with people. That's my goal for the rest of my life, hopefully. It's a very good goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we move on, is there anything else you want to add? Um, anything you want people to know about you that we might not know before we get to the question part? Well, let's see. I run the International School of Clairvoyance, and so I've been – teaching intuitive development for for about 25 years now and and that's going really well my students continue to amaze me 
in so many different ways. And so that's, that's exciting. And what else I would say that is, I'm sure we'll get into just like the different uh, maybe subjects that fall under these areas. And um, I've been very involved in research and parapsychology research for a number of years too, which is uh, fascinating to me and frustrating and has so many highs and lows on so many different levels. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot we can talk about here. And I'd also love to just hear more about what the two of you are doing in these areas as, as well. I just think it's so cool that you can have your family life and have your kids around and still just be doing this important work. And I know how crazy it is because that's how I've always done things. You know, people seem to think like you have to have just a perfect situation situation where everything's just calm and you know, having like a beautiful office to work out of and no interruptions and, you know, that would, you know that's just not possible. <laughs> whether you're doing a podcast or teaching a class or sitting there trying to do a reading or meditation, I mean, some people are fortunate enough to be in those circumstances where it is ideal, the ideal setup, but so many times it's not. And some people just avoid these things because they just think, oh, well, you know, how could I do this when I've had a chaotic existence around me? And I guess that's what I would say is I've, I've, it can get to be way too chaotic, especially when you're adding in just more and more and more things to be fun things to be doing with so many people. But on the other hand, you know, it, there's a way to balance it all. There is. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we just own it. Like, like, uh, we're single. Rebecca and I are both single mothers, and um, and we have pets. <laughs> and as you, the cat just jumped on her head, like um, you know. And but I can't even my even my I have a rescue dog and I have a blind cat. I will not ignore my pets because I'm live on a podcast, and I don't mean disrespect to the people on the show, but that's why I have a co-host. So, you know, but, um, but no, my yeah. kids will come through and yell, hi guys. So it's, you just own it. Yeah. And my kid has walked in on me while I'm meditating and she'll kind of, Oh, and then she'll turn around and walk out yeah. and she knows just to come back later. <laughs> and that's great. Cause it teaches them about what you're doing. You know, it lets them see it. And it also, it makes them have to learn how to entertain themselves during that time as well. And yeah, I was a single mom until my son was five years old when I met my current partner. And, and you know, you just make it work. You definitely need to have other people on the outside to help as well. But um, I, I think it's really good for your kids to see that you are still having a life and still exactly uh, working but doing things you're excited about exactly I sure agree. yep yep uh rebecca owns a haunted location and her kids are involved so really yeah 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 that's they kind of get roped into it but you know there's a lot of work with um upkeep of the house and then they i do ghost tours out there so they help me Help me with ghost tours. So, 
Oh, oh, do you do you, you don't live in the haunted house? You just do tours there. Mm-hmm. And as as uh, you've probably talked about it a lot on the show, uh, but is there a name for it, or or if there's new listeners? Cambry Cambry House and Farm, um, and it's a it's a happy haunting. <laughs> so it's a happy home that they just chose not to leave. So yeah, but yeah, my kids help out a lot with that. So and I'm really grateful that they are willing to help. So yeah, well, that's that's really cool. So it's a great place for paranormal investigators to come. And do you have people bringing their equipment and? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have it open for um, paranormal teams to run, and then we do public ghost tours, too. So people who just are interested in doing um, ghost tours can come and use uh, the equipment of another team and just uh, learn how to hunt <laughs> in, in, a, in a safe environment. So. Yeah. And see, Deborah, I she will not bring it up, so I bring it up because she's, you know... She she knows what she has, but she won't bring it up. But you guys are close enough. Remember that. Cambry House and Farm. Look it up on Facebook. It's a great location. And and do the people find correspondences between each other's like when someone goes to record, do they have the same experiences that other people had when they were there before? Um, yeah, usually. Um uh, every mom that I have in the group, um, moms are usually targeted. Um, the, um, a lot of activity will revolve around the mom in a group. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I would say that, you know, we have a lot of noises and footsteps and cold spots. So yeah, just. <laughs> and do you think that's because there's, uh, there's children's spirits there that gravitate to the moms. Is that pretty much what's going yeah. on? Yeah. You can tell that's... she's a psychic. <laughs> um. So, Deborah, how did you get started with the clairvoyant school? I'm kind of interested in how that started. Yeah, well, gosh, I... I myself went through training. I I had always had intuitive experiences growing up because I have an identical twin sister and we would have lots of experiences together. But we really and we searched for a long time to learn how to to get control and learn more about these things. But really, we would only find books that would say, well, you should meditate. That will help. But it didn't really give you any any firm guidelines. And then sometimes the same books would say, well, you should meditate. But that's not really the purpose of meditation. So we just really for many years thought, well, this is just something that spontaneously happens to people when they least expect it. But then when I was in my later 20s, I came across a couple schools in the Northern California area. I used to be a federal probation officer and I was very stressed and and attended a meditation class by teachers that were also teaching psychic uh, psychic training. And that was, in those days, it was the Berkeley Psychic Institute, which was founded by a man named Louis Bostwick. And um, 
So I ended up just signing up immediately without having any idea what their program was about. And I just got obsessed. So pretty much every day for 13 months, I would come and and do readings on people like in a group situation. And I I didn't really know what I was doing or how it was all going to work. But I started after a few months to find that I was really having correspondences to what was really happening with the person. And so I did that for a, a couple years, just being in training. And then I ended up going to the Philippines to study with the energy healers there. And at that time, I just started to do, uh, I, I met my my son's father, who was an acupuncturist. And, um, and in the Philippines, if you don't have access to medical care, then you just go home to die. Like you, if you don't, I mean, if you don't have money, if you don't show up at the emergency room with money to pay for your medication, to pay for the IV, to pay for anything they'd want to use on your body, they just turn you away. And so um, my son's father, Manuel, he was an acupuncturist. And so he would get these people that were on their deathbed and then um, uh, so in some cases, he pretty much saved their lives. And so we would go around to remote areas helping people, and then I would do my intuitive work on them. And sometimes they were too sensitive to have the acupuncture needles, so I would do the energy healing on them. And um, and we saw a lot of po- really positive results. So when I came back to the States, I um, ended up moving to Sedona, Arizona, where I started to work as a uh, professional clairvoyant. And that was when a lot of people came to me and said, you know, wow, you're so gifted. You're so lucky that you were born with this. And I would really have to tell them, no, I wasn't, I, I wasn't born with this. I just practiced a lot. And so then I would try to share the techniques that I used with them, but it started to get just to be too in depth with each person, you know, in 10 minutes to try to tell them how to go about the same steps I was using. So that's when I decided I would write a book. So I didn't have to just verbally tell everyone that and then from there just progressed into small group classes. And then to in about 2005, I started what I believe to be the first or one of the first online um, intuitive training programs. And do, can you throw out that name again, just in case people missed it in the beginning? Um, yes. So I run the International School of Clairvoyance. Um, I think the techno and Deborah Katz, right? Yes. Um, my website is. Uh, you could find it in different ways, but you could find right. this version is DebraKatz.com. D e b r a k a t z dot com. No, you just you're just awesome. I just want to make sure people can find you. So we have a bunch more people in chat. So Allison, Cynthia, um, I think I already said Darren. Um, so if I missed you guys, you guys know Kelly's not here to read off all the names at the end. So I'm trying to get them in there when I can. Go ahead, Rebecca. Ask your question. Um, do you start with people? who have, like, who just think they might have something? I mean, where do you start with people at when they sign up, I mean, for, for your classes? That, that's a great question. 
Well, oftentimes people will have had some experiences already, and sometimes they've had so many that they uh, they they don't have any doubt that they have ability, but they just don't know where to start. And then I have I have several people that contact me who are already professional psychics working um, in different ways, or they may be mediums. They may be healers or uh, oftentimes it's a combination, but they're just looking to expand their skill set. And what I found is that people tend to, um, on a feeling level, like on an empathic, clairsentient level, they'll feel other people's emotions and body sensations and they'll pick up information that way spontaneously and and they become aware that that's something that they're good at. Or other people will become aware that they, they can hear uh, telepathically like what either spirits are saying or other, uh, other people are saying. Um, but the one ability that doesn't just seem to come that easily is seeing information visually like people will occasionally get a an a vision but it doesn't seem to just come about for a lot of people if they're not um they just don't know how to bring that about and there's a lot of value in the visual so that's where i come in that's really one of the things i specialize in and then when when they're focused on the visual it has this instant effect of taking the person out of their analytical part of their mind which of course that that's the one of if not the biggest challenges there's a lot of challenges with this but getting out of the intellect and staying focused visually helps you with that and then it still allows for the information to come through your through your body through your instant reflexes, through hearing, through feeling, even when you're focused on the visual. So it's not to minimize any of that. But I I get a lot of people that just that's the missing element. And so I, I really try to take people and see, you know, what else do they need? And then fill in the blanks if if they're already at that level. On the other hand, I have a lot of people where All they know is they're fascinated with these things. They've had experiences. They don't really know what those experiences mean, but they just want to learn more. Right. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see like you have a wide variety. And and I like the idea of, you know, helping people with the visual visual aspect of it. Because I think people, people sometimes second guess a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah, so much. It's so hard to to sort through, you know, your just your normal memories and thought processes and your own emotions and so it's like you have all these this information inside yourself and then you're trying to sort through that to become aware of the very very subtle most of the time it's really subtle um information coming into you that would be more of the psychic information. So you've got all these inputs and just distinguishing between them. And so learning learning how to do that, and it's not like it's just a magic wand and you just suddenly know how to do all of that. It's definitely, you know, people can take classes, but they've got to practice. The practice is yeah, essential. Sure. You for know? sure. 
I would t totally agree with that. Um, yeah. um, we have a quick question from chat. Because um, actually we have a bunch, but I'm not sure how many we're going to get to, so I want to ask as many as I can. Um, what's the hardest part about being a medium? So, well, now I'm going to trust that when they add that they're being specific about being a medium, right, as opposed to being another kind of intuitive. Yes. So if they're being really specific about He is. Being it's Darren. Yes, he is. Okay, great. Well, first of all, um, there's a lot of challenges. One is, and I'm sure he already knows this then, that um, you can't guarantee that there's going to be communication. So you can't guarantee that a spirit that you would like to communicate with or any spirit is going to show up at that time. Now, if you are um, an ex experienced um uh, say intuitive reader there's always information that you can get intuitively so if someone says I want communication with my deceased grandmother well you could still tune in intuitively to see what she looked like or the circumstances of her death or or what their relationship was but that's different than saying yes definitely her consciousness is here and she's communicating now, some researchers would say you could never prove that for sure. I, I, I understand why they're saying that. Um, on the other hand, though, um, for those of us who do this, we can tell there's differences between the communication. Now, not always. There's a lot of times I would say I am not sure if this was communication or if it was just me tuning into the memory of them. So there, or tuning into my clients, my clients memory of them or my clients thought forms. So exactly. I can't tell, but there are, uh, there are times where there is a difference where the, where there's a difference in the imagery that comes through in the level of co communication. And if you talk to different mediums, like they'll say the same thing, dead people communicate more actively and loudly than living people do. So sometimes, and sometimes the communication just slams in and, and it feels different. There's a feeling with it. It's, it may be more vivid. Um, the the um it may be totally unexpected um i just had that with my grandmother coming through where i was doing an exercise um i was not at all interested in my deceased relatives i was i'm very um interested in spirits that are on, are on the other side trying to come through to communicate with us and so i've been studying instrumental transcommunication um, can you where, before you go on can you explain to people what that is I know what it is, but some listeners, that's a big word. They might not understand what you mean. Yes. Well, well, and you guys may even know more about this than me because I've just really recently been diving into this like wholeheartedly. Um, it's so uh, people would know it by EVPs. So um, electronic voice right. phenomena. That is one form of um, instrumental transcommunication. And then, say, um, spirit photography would be another form. Um, when spirits are talking through uh, recording devices, um, really any kind of instrumentation 
uh, radios, uh, uh, recording devices, uh, telephones. Uh, and so there, this has been um, documented um, pretty much like starting in the, um, as with the, even starting with tape recorders, like in the 1930s. And there's in, um, there's a, a lineage of people that have explored this and, and first brought it to public light. And so I'm just, and many of these researchers are in other countries. So I'm really in my infancy of doing the reading up on that and following up to present day and I'm, I'm just at the start of that but the thing that I'm finding really interesting um, is is well many things one is an example and I don't even remember right now the guy's name but I've been shoot I'm, I'm not really that prepared to talk about this but there, there was a researcher who he would have ongoing communications with different voices coming through the radio within his laboratory at a university, but they sometimes had real-time communications that went on where you hear the voice. Oh, George Meek um, has a book on this, and he's got recordings, and there's there's a website called um, World ITC, and you can listen to this. And the recordings are, you, you can definitely hear it. It's, it's a little rough because they're so old, but where they would have conversations for uh, sometimes 30 minutes at a time in, in real time. And the, the um, voices, the people that came through would then tell them how to make adjustments so they could have better communication. So and it was how- through, um, uh, it wasn't through, like today we have digital recorders. You're talking about like, uh, what's that word? Old time tape recorders. What's the, Rebecca? Analog. Thank you. Yes. Analog. Yeah. Yes. It was a very different technology than, than today, uh, but really the predecessors for it. And exactly. And these right. were, you know, they, they would talk about different levels of communication. So there were definitely uh, with these recordings, sometimes so hard to make out, you couldn't just hear it with your ears. You would have to, you'd have to slow it down and speed it up and listen and you'd have to know what you were listening for like that was one level but then on another level and they they even had like scoring systems so like that would be say a number <coughs> one if if you could just you know you'd have to listen and listen and not everybody would hear the same thing and that was very problematic but then they would have levels of communication that were crystal clear and that, you know, they, the, they would emphasize that's what you're going for, where you're in, if you have 100 people in a room, in the moment, the first time they listen, they're all going to know what's being said and it's just going to be, you know, crystal clear. And those kinds of communications are definitely uh, few and far between, but they exist. And then when you have them, in not just a not just a single word or sentence, which is very common, both for communications coming through equipment, but also uh, for mediums. You know, that's the common thing: is you hear a word, you hear a sentence, maybe a couple sentences, but to hear ongoing communication for thirty minutes, you know, that's that's what yeah, that's really that that part's really exciting to have that long of a communication through ITC. Yeah. Um, we've got a question in chat. Um, 
Darren wants to know, what are your views on astral projection? Yes, well, astral projection is super cool. Um, it's, it's something that so many people have these experiences. I would say what I've learned from my own and so many others is it is um, not either or. It's a matter of degree. It's a spectrum. So on one level, uh, we all have a particular orientation to our bodies and we could be out of our bodies, like mostly, I mean, we're never totally out of our bodies, but we can have more of our energy or awareness or consciousness out at different times. Like when we go to sleep, we might be like as out as you could be. Um, but um, we might be walking around during the day pretty much out of our bodies and not having that conscious awareness. But that right. I did a meditation one time where they said, okay, draw your focus back into yourself. And so you did that. And it was like an obvious, you know, outside to inside. And it's like, okay, well, where was I at before? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, usually you're out with everything that you're absorbed in, in your life. So everything you care about, like you're already connecting with. And, you know, if you're, if you're, um, it really is about your attention, but on an, on an energy level too. And people are sometimes really, I take students through exercises of calling their energy back from even just projects, you know, projects and their electronic devices and their, their friends or past relationships. And, you know, what we can like, we can be in a relationship and then it ends but our energy is still so much with that person, especially if we um, had sexual relations with them. So we get so entwined. And even when we're like, oh, I don't want to think about this person anymore. I'm just ready to move on. Uh, if your energy is so much with them, then you don't really have you can't focus as much in your own self. You, you get distracted and it and you might keep thinking of them because you're actually this does get really into psychic um, psychic topics because when you're out, you're you're more um, you're more psychically aware of what's happening outside of you. You know, just like okay, I'm in my house right now. I don't really know what my husband's doing outside. He's fixing a tractor. Well, but if my energy is really with him, I might start, or if I even start to think about him and then maybe send my, a part of myself over to him, I'm going to start getting information in lots of different ways. I might feel like, oh, he just hurt himself. And now I'm feeling like a pain in the same part of my body, or he's hungry. So now I'm going to be hungry. Or um, I might hear like what he says in his head, because a part of me went over there. Now, I, I'm not always doing, uh, not all psychic work is going out and doing that, but I think that's where we spontaneously do this. But then getting back to what people typically think of OBEs, we could have extreme ones, and that's where I'd say on the other end of the spectrum, where just suddenly you find yourself like, what well, I'm looking at something, but I don't know what I'm looking at, and then I realize I'm on top of my ceiling looking down at the light fixture. You know, I've, I've had that. And there's so many people who do have that experience. It's like a total sense of disconnecting and where they know for sure this is an OBE. 
Is it kind of yeah. like, especially when you're talking about your husband, it's almost like a, a psychic connection, like you're leaving your body connecting with his, but you're still tied by the invisible rope or umbilical cord, as some people call it, um, to yourself. Yes. Yes. There's. It's really interesting on a visual level to see energy connections. And, you know, this was something that it wasn't like people told me about this. I mean, they started to after I was seeing this. But what, the reason I, I, I never want to speak about anything unless I've seen it myself. And so I read, so I've done like, thousands of hours of readings on people over the last 25 years. And it's not like I'm looking for this, but when I just start to visualize them in their field, I'll see, I'll see like these colors or I'll see shapes or I'll see these things. And when I probe them, I see they're connected to other people in their lives. Or sometimes I can't see them and I'm like, you know, where is this person or, you know, why, why can't I really see them? And then I, I see that their energy is all the way over with somebody else. And especially when they're having relationship problems, relationship right. problems oftentimes are very much um, about these um, energy dynamics and like too much energy in one place, not enough in another. And it's, it's really fascinating because then you get verification of what's really going on. Like Here's just one example. I was reading a woman and she asked about her relationship and she said she had been with this person for um, a while now. But when I looked at her, I, I looked at her and I, I, and I, I, by looking at her, I mean, I just visualized this, this just works through imagination. So I just imagined like a picture of her and I just imagine almost kind of like silhouette people. And then I imagine the person that she was looking, she was her, her boyfriend. And, and I saw so much of her energy with him. There was like very little in her space. And yet I wasn't seeing any connection with him. And it didn't make sense. Like why was so much with her and, and none with him. And I was like, you know, it doesn't like, I hated to tell her this, but I was like, it doesn't even seem like he gives you any thought, like you're not even on his radar. Aww. And then it comes to find out that even though she was calling him her boyfriend, she, they had never even been on a date. Like she had texted him a couple times and, and she was just, how weird I, is that? People, people do that and uh, I had one who was like all worried about this this guy and somebody had told her he would be bad in her life and then I come to find out after talking to her forever and ever um she hadn't seen him since she graduated high school five years ago and she's like so worried about him and I'm like why why are you worried about this guy if you haven't seen him for five years I don't understand yeah, you know, I think it's a, a function of today that, like, I don't think people really understand what relationships are. And on the one hand, in all fairness, you could say, well, that it is a relationship, but it's very much a one-sided relationship. You know, so is that a relationship? I mean, we really have to look at what's the definition of one. 
Uh, it just these. This has all been very new, like in the last ten years or so. You didn't used to see um, things like that. So you can really see, yeah, how connected are the people? Are they really? Um, you know, it's one thing to have a long distance relationship, and you text a lot and you call a lot. But if if just if it's just one sided, you don't see that energy exchange um, in in the way that you would if if they were both. If they were both present, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you also you also can see where with these energy exchanges how they can be helping the person and they can really be harming them. So sometimes when I look at a client, and it sounds like Rebecca, you've got experience with with reading people probably a lot, so you might be able to speak to this, but where. A lot of times, even like people's self-esteem, how they feel about themselves, how they look at themselves, um, whether they even feel like they have permission to explore what they're interested in, it's very much impacted by other people. And again, you might say, oh, well, sure, we know that on a psychological level, but it shows up in their aura. It shows up as like these different colors or uh, or. Same <laughs> laughing because uh, that I'm I do aura readings so <laughs> that's yeah that's I, I see the aura and, and interpret the colors so that's kind of yeah so yeah what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> yeah yeah and so do you see that that the colors aren't always that person's they're connected to other people and how um, that like the other people are talking to them or what or mm-hmm. messages they've given to them. I haven't really noticed that part of it. I'm going to have to work with that part a little bit. Well, you said something similar to me uh, when before anybody before you came out of the woo-woo closet. You did say something like it doesn't necessarily have to do with me, but something you did say that. Did I on air? (laughs) I have it recorded, so Um, I'll I'll have to listen to it again. (laughs) You did say that. You really did. You know, honestly, a lot of times when I'm doing the aura readings, like, I, 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 I'm saying words that I don't know where they come from. <laughs> so. Yeah. so it sounds like you're, you're channeling to, like, you're really um, either, it's some aspect of your mediumship, at least, coming, coming. Yeah, it sounds really weird, but, like, the, I feel the words build up in my throat, and then I kind of have to... Spit them out. Yeah, spit them out, and they're not my words. There's some, I don't know. Anyway. That is definitely, um, as you're talking even, I'm I'm getting like an image of someone standing behind you and kind of bringing those words through your throat. So, yeah, that sounds like a combination there. That's pretty cool, though, and that you can just let the words out, you know, that's and not hold them back, which is, is a hard thing. That, that's another getting back to that. It, like you had said before, I, there, there's a lot of practice to it, you know, learning what the colors meant and um, uh, just just learning to read people and stuff. And, and learning always, what and your learning. colors meant because yeah. sometimes there's no actual, like, there are charts, but just because you might see something, I, I, I'm not a medium, I'm not a psychic, so both of you guys, please correct me if I'm wrong. But sometimes, could you guys see one thing and somebody else see the same thing and it means something totally different to them, but your interpretation 
is your interpretation every time. Well, I would I would agree with that. I don't know what Debbie says, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, it's it's like looking at things from different angles, and so so a, a psychic or medium can't help but see things from well, one from their own perspective, but they're also sometimes looking at different perspectives of a situation, just like most simplistically, like any situation, we could look at what's working and what's not working. So as podcasters, there's, I'm sure, like, whether you have strengths or weaknesses, or whether there's things that you love about it, and things that are frustrating about it. So one reader could end up looking at all the things that are frustrating about it. And another reader could look at all the things that are are um, fun about it. And then even within that, depending on what, you know, one might focus more on one fun thing and one might focus more on another. I mean, you, you hope that you're not contradicting each other or just, I mean, sometimes people are just wrong or you're interpreting. But, but it's, it's just the interpretation. It doesn't mean somebody's wrong. Um, before we go on, um, Rebecca has to leave. Um, she filled in last minute for me. Um, so she has to leave a little early. Rebecca, thank you very much. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Debbie. That This has been really fascinating yeah. and yeah, just kind of one of those nights where I was squeezing stuff in. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I love talking to people that are already so yeah. knowledgeable. So, so thank you, Rebecca. I will talk to you later. Have fun. Um, Thanks, Shay. Deborah and I can keep going, but I just yeah, you guys keep going. I'll listen yeah. to the last of it later. Bye, Amelia. <laughs> I see. I see. Bye. Sorry, her daughter's waving to me in the background. Love you, Amelia. Right. Um. Yeah. Sorry. She she had yeah. to leave at a certain time, and I. I didn't realize that. Um, but so we were talking about colors, and yeah. you know, some people ask, "Well, you know, does one color always mean the same thing?" Because there's different books that will say that. And I've really found no. Like, I think it's much more valuable to just stay present. And when you see a color around a person or anywhere to do what I call is probing is just you refocus on it and ask it to show you more. And, and sometimes people individually will then build up a library of symbols. Um, so I call it like, yeah, library of symbols or colors for individually. Uh, and then it will tend to mean something for them. And what will happen is if someone say someone read a book and the book said, well, yellow always means the second chakra or yellow always means happiness. Then that gets incorporated into their own symbology. So then when they're reading someone and they're dealing with the second chakra or happiness, that's what they'll see. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's intrinsic, except that exactly. as a, a culture you know, we like I could say to I'll do exercises with groups where we'll kind of look at our own natural symbology. So if I said, what's the color of love or what's an image of love? Well, like, what would you say immediately if but, I said? But. All right. That's a kind of a two part question, like because everybody's opinion and what they feel and see are 
they're all different things. So I don't think you can, I don't think you can narrow it down. So if one purple, if one person thinks purple means love, and another means something else, I don't think you can judge it on that. Well, you can't judge it, but because uh, I've done this as as experiments. So if you have ten people and say what color, what what's the first color that comes to mind? when I say love and what's yeah. the first image, like just do that right now. Shay, if you don't mind, like just close your eyes and if you just set what, what image comes when I say love? Well, to me, cause I'm not psychic would be red. Yes. Uh, yeah. And this is not even a psychic exercise. Yeah. That's, but that's what, so, because but, that's what we were taught. Red hearts, right. you know, red hearts. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as a culture culture or society, we've already got these images, which Carl Jung, the early psychologist, uh, called these archety archetypal symbols. So we've been programmed, maybe even through Hallmark, you know, to just exactly the hearts on the cards. So this is our shared symbology. And so the difference between like what I just did here is a brief test and hopefully those listening you know came up with something similar is we we know what we're talking about I because I said the word love but let's say now someone wants a reading and they want they've just met somebody and they want to know how that person feels about them and so okay logically I have no idea let me go look and so when I go look if then suddenly I see red or or a pink energy flowing from their heart, or I see images of hearts in between them, or I see an image of them dancing and twirling around, or uh, what would other romantic images be? Maybe I just see them moving closer to each other. These are all um, symbols. These, I call these like self-explanatory symbols. Exactly. Like you're not going to have any doubts as to what that means, you know. But then there could be. You might just see like another color like maybe there's green right there well what does green mean well to me I've I've had green come up a lot when something's very new but there might be other meanings in it I'm, I'm not gonna go in, I'm gonna do my best to stay away from my analytical mind and then just say okay green show me what you represent or maybe I see something that's like totally bizarre like I see uh, a car and one person's head is sticking out of the sunroof well what what does that mean is does that mean they're going to go for a ride in a car or is that symbolic i have no idea until i make myself focus more and say okay show me more about this i i want to see what what does this mean but then i have to wait and see what else happens and then maybe i'll get more understanding or we'll go on to uh another image but that's really how it works and kind of the intersecting between our symbols and our visualizations and then the, when it enters into the intuitive realm. I, I kind of look at it, um, again, I am not psychic in any way, shape, or form. Um, I know a lot of people argue with me about that. Um, I look at it more as street smarts. Um, I can do micro expressions. I can read body language. So some people argue with me, but it's the same thing. You got to kind of fit it to to what you feel. It's hard to explain. Yeah, 
Yeah, I um, it you've got to go off of your own self. Yeah, because a, you can't fit yourself into everybody else's uh, opinions of any of it. Yes, it's very, very individualized. Yeah. Um. So we have um not even five minutes left. Um, and I really hope you come back because we didn't even touch on remote viewing. Um, I would love to do a whole show on remote viewing with you if you are interested. And you don't have to let me know right now because that's a lot of pressure on air. Um, no, I am happy to come back. I love that you have people in the chat room who, have, who are very informed and have great, great I didn't questions. even get to. I only asked like three out of three we had tons of questions I didn't even get to them because this was the introductory show so I wanted to get more out there but we like I said we have like five minutes left um just for for my benefit can you please tell people what you have done for law work because I so respect this well as far as where I was a federal probation officer all of it yeah um, yeah, so when I, um, well, while I was getting my master's degree in social work, I did an internship for the uh, Salt Lake City Probation and Pretrial Services. And so I did pre-sentence investigations for them. And then I did, and then I ended up somehow by a miracle getting a job at my young age of like 27 or so at the time. I'm now 52. So I ended up getting a job with the probation, U.S. probation and pretrial services in uh, in the Northern District of California. And so I mostly carried out uh, investigations for once people were sentenced to help the federal court know uh, what how how to sentence them. Um, but I left that after a few years because as I was developing my um, intuitive abilities and really my spiritual it was very as meditating hours a day I was doing so much healing work both doing healings and receiving them and I just got to the point where I found myself in my office and I just couldn't I couldn't I didn't want to do any of the work like I, I just wanted I wanted to help people and be a positive force in life and while I do I definitely no, beyond a doubt, we need people out there that are protecting other people because there's ev there's real evil out there, evil that form shows up in the form of living people and even sometimes deceased people. That's a topic for a whole other show. Oh yeah. But but we need we need people to protect uh, us from other people. But I I didn't want to be in that role and I didn't want to be a controlling force in people's life. And I wasn't really, I, I'm, I'm very good at investigations, I would say. In fact, my supervisors used to get mad at me because my reports were too long, too in depth. <laughs> and that's kind of a theme of my life, like too many words everywhere. People oh, yeah. probably right here. But, um, but as, because I would be like, that person's lying, and I'm going to find out. And I and then I would find out exactly what they were lying about. And so I some of it was through using my intuitive abilities. Um, that would help. But then my supervisors were like, well, we already know that they're lying. So what's the point? You know, cut out 20 pages of your report. So I liked writing reports. 
doing investigations, but I did not like controlling people. And I felt like I was, I was creating some, I was going against my, what was right for me. And I felt like it was karma because of it. Didn't you work with domestic abuse? Yes. Yes. I I was a legal advocate for a time in um, Arizona, uh, uh, working with uh, victims of domestic violence and being a legal advocate for them. And um, and that was um, very rewarding just to be able to know that I was helping people get out of bad situations. But on the other hand, a lot of the people went right back into those bad situations. So that was another thing, too, why I appreciated intuitive work, because I would rather spend like an hour or two hours with someone, tell them what I see and, um, you know, what they need to hear and then not be um, overly involved in their choices. And in other jobs, you see the person regularly. You know, it's, it's emotionally just, draining. It's draining. And, you know, I want to get in there and fix everything. And yeah. that's my tendency. So in uh, doing readings for people, it's easier because I just create firm boundaries. I say, you know, you, you could call me again, but like wait six months, you know, wait until you've gone out and done the work. And I prefer to work that way. And that way, because everyone has their own path. And I mean, I would like to think if someone's getting beaten up by their partner, that they're not going to go back. But it's not. But we all know that's not. Yeah. We know that's not the case. And also maybe, maybe they are meant to go and try to work through something. I don't, you know. But it's hard for us outsiders to watch it. So I get it. it. Yeah, it's it's so painful. It so is. I would rather not be, you know, involved in that. I just want to be there to be able to, you know, give some insights and input and then leave it up to them to make their own decisions. No, I get that. And so our hour's up, but I just want to say God bless you because you've done a little bit of everything. But the the main thread through all of this is helping people. And you've change course but it's always to better help people so thank you yes well and and thank you because i i feel bad because we haven't even gotten done no that's why i said uh, if you want to come back just you know send a message and because i think we definitely we definitely need at least a part two of this subject and then we need a whole whole show for remote viewing yeah excuse me sorry um, but right. do you want to throw out your social media? Where can people find you again? Just before we end, just throw yes. it out there again. People you, follow her. She's good. Thank you. Well, and again, thank you everybody for your time here. And uh, gosh, I would just love to hear more about just everyone in the chat room too. But my my website is Deborah Katz, D-E-B-R-A-K-A-T-Z com or the international school of clairvoyance.com way too long and um yeah my, i'll be updating my website soon too but you can um find me there and i'm always happy to answer questions if i if i can so feel free to reach out yes and if if you don't catch that feel free to reach out to me because my listeners know how to get a hold of me i'll I'll send you in the right direction. I have her website. I have her page info. Um, I Actually, I shared her page info earlier. So 
check it out. Um, so thank you for everybody in chat. I don't have a co-host and right now, but I appreciate everybody, even the ones I did not mention that joined us in chat and everybody that listens after. Thank you very much. Season three has been great. We only have uh, one or two more shows left of season three before season four starts. So um, thank you so much for supporting me over all these years. Sometimes I don't know why you guys do. Other times, you know, I get it, but we've all been there. So, um, yeah. So, uh, if you guys want Deborah to come back, make sure you let me know because I want her back. Rebecca wants her back. So, let us know. And until then, have a great week, and we will be back next Friday. Thanks, guys.